What's up, everybody? This is Cortland from NDHackers.com, and you're listening to the Indie Hackers podcast. More people than ever are building cool stuff online and making a lot of money in the process. And on this show, I sit down with these indie hackers to discuss the ideas, the opportunities, and the strategies they're taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. Today, I'm talking to Ben Orenstein and Derek Reimer on the Art of Product podcast. They've both been on the show before. Ben is a co-founder of a company called Tuple, which has got to be the best tool for remote pair programming. And Derek is the founder of a company called SavvyCal, which is what I use to schedule meetings, podcast recordings, and literally any type of appointment where I need to see if my calendar matches up with the other person's. In this episode, I talked to Ben and Derek about community building, about long-term goal setting, and about building a dream team of people that you actually enjoy working with at your startup. If you like the episode, make sure to head over to their podcast, The Art of Product, and subscribe. So, uh, we didn't, Jarek and I were noticing that you have not been very active on Twitter lately. I'll just come out and say, I don't like tweeting. I don't like being uh, a personal brand that much. It's a lot of effort. It feels like a sort of endless treadmill where you can never really win. You know, you're just always sort of running off of it. And the second you stop, you die. And so I just stopped, which I guess means I'm dead. Uh, <laughs> but I think, you know, for me, building a community, like the cool thing is like, Community goes on without me. You know, I can step away for a week or two or a month and indie hackers goes on because like I am not the value for indie hackers. It's everybody in the community making posts and talking to each other and leaving comments, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's like I have the opportunity to build something much bigger than myself. And every now and then I find myself backsliding. Like I talk to a friend who's just like crushing it on Twitter or their newsletter just hit 200,000 subscribers. And I'm like, oh man, I'm doing it wrong. Like, should I do that? And then I ask them what their goals are for the future. And they're like, well, I hope I can turn my audience into a community so that I can take a breather. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm already there. <laughs> so uh, I probably should, you know, quote, should tweet more. And it would be nice to tweet more. But like, it takes a lot of energy and effort to try to get the community going where I want it to go and have the sort of life that I want it to have. And that's what I'm spending 99% of my time doing. Yeah, I have this weird, I, I mean, yeah, I have this drive to like, do more Twitter, or like, when it's good, I find it really engaging and fun. And the people I follow are like really interesting. And so I like reading it and I feel like I'm, I for sure am making new connections there, which is awesome. Like I'm sort of viewing Twitter now as like the first stage in my long-term recruiting pipeline where it's like, let me start building, like having random interactions with Twitter folks so that maybe when they start getting a little bit bored, maybe they DM me or maybe when I DM them in six months, they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. I've been seeing your stuff for a while. So there's like real potentially massive business benefit to it. And so I have this kind of, it's value with a side of addiction where it's like, I just keep it like it. It's really good at sucking me in for, for longer than I want. And, or like anytime I like run into something challenging, like, let me just go t- open Twitter for a while. Yeah. I have this, this, uh, this thing that happens where I'll like, I'll sit down on my computer. I'll type N and it'll just automatically fill in news.ycombinator.com or I'll type T and it'll automatically totally. fill in twitter.com and I'll press enter and I'll ha- have some reason to go there. Like I went to Twitter to DM you about like this podcast, like 10 minutes ago. And then like, mm-hmm. I literally just spend five, I black out, I spend five minutes scrolling down the feed. <laughs> I forget why I'm there. Then I'm like, what am I doing? And I have to like retrace my steps. I'm like, oh yeah. So they're, like, they've got the formula locked down. They hired these psychologists. They know For sure. exactly how to do it. There's a good book on this called Hooked 
about how to build habit forming products mm-hmm. and it like, goes into the psychology of novelty and how like we are inherently addicted to these processes like slot machines where we can't really control and we don't know what we're going to get you know and, and scrolling down a feed where every other post is garbage but some of the posts are like gems in the rough like that is somehow evolutionarily connected to our design like our drive to like i don't know hunt through the bushes for berries and stuff and so uh we're sort of rewarded, I think, psychologically for doing that. And I think the psychologists have figured this out <laughs> and put it into their apps. And if I can get a little bit of that into Andy mm. Hackers, <laughs> then I have a much more successful website. Are you happy with how the community is going? Like who's in the community and how they act and what they do and all that? I'm happy with the trajectory, especially over the last couple of months. And I think that that is like, as a founder, like that's what you like live and die by, the trajectory, right? Like are the numbers mm. going up? Uh, because once they are, you can like imagine some promised land where they are at an awesome place and the people that you want in your community are in your app or using it, et cetera. And even if you're at a high level, like I just saw Facebook reported, like they've lost users for the first time. And Facebook's huge. They have billions of users. I bet you nobody there feels good (laughs) that the trajectory is down, right? (laughs) So it's not about the absolute number. It's about where you're headed. I for sure would like indie hackers to have a lot more, uh, I think, experienced founders on it. Right now, I think it's, it's a little bit like Twitter. You go to Twitter, like everybody's on Twitter. You can learn anything from anybody on Twitter, uh, whatever they have, like, you know, the desire to tweet it. But on Indie Hackers right now, it's mostly, like, your peers, especially for an early-stage founder. Um, and I would like to do more to, like, organically bring people into the community. And that's a tough problem because you can do it in inorganic ways. I can, like, host somebody for an interview or have somebody on for an AMA. But everybody knows, like, this person isn't really here. They're just sort of doing a drive-by participation. And so mm-hmm. got some strategies in the pipeline for getting more, I guess, influencers, so to speak, and experienced founders to participate, I think, regularly. And that would be awesome. That's kind of the holy grail. Yeah, like, I don't I don't know how it happened, but in my mind, somehow, Indie Hackers became associated with, like, you're you're new to it. You're trying to get into it. You're trying to break in. And it's like a supportive group of people that are going to, they're all kind of have the same the same goal there. That's how it's always been, but to it's, be honest. I mean, it's, it's yeah. it, it, it used okay. to be more story-based. I used to, like, bring people on and tell their stories. But, like, the community forum yeah. itself has always been more of, like, you're new. You know, like you just started, you're struggling, yeah. or you just recently succeeded and you want to tell everybody about how you did it. So you say you, you, that that's how it is. You want to bring more experienced people yep. in. Is it important to ha- like cover more use cases? Like, can it, can it just be for the new people as like a springboard, get you going thing? Or I don't want it to be that do way. It for you? Uh, in part because it's yeah. ripe. It's like, okay, well, the point is like grow, get bigger, you know? And it's like, all right, that's <laughs> fine. Like I'll grow and get bigger. Like Indie Hackers doesn't have a business model. Like I abandoned, like it's not making money. And even if it was, it wouldn't move the needle at yeah. Stripe. So it's like, okay, what's impactful? Well, there aren't that many successful early stage uh, communities for early stage founders. Like they don't really exist at a large scale. And so getting bigger and being more impactful that way is what matters. And I think for that to work, like you can't be a school, right? Like Harvard's very successful, but guess what? Like everybody either drops out or graduates. Like they don't come back repeatedly. And so Harvard's like undergraduate class size stays the same, right? Whereas like a real community like Twitter or Hacker News or Facebook or something, like ideally it's growing, which means people aren't churning. Are graduating and so it if it's only a place you come to when you're early stage and then you like wash out after a certain point you're like thanks for the information i'm out then we're not really succeeding at growing and so that's kind of a tough nut to crack i've been trying to crack it for a long time oh no i was just gonna ask like this is sort of related to what what's go the community dynamics that i see going on especially in like a lot of indie hacker like self-identified indie hackers is like the trend of like putting the little like progress bar for revenue in their on their Twitter bio and like doing a lot of like revenue sharing and even seeing this more and more happening with like uh, people who are further along, like just constantly continuously posting MRR updates and, and like spending a lot of time on Twitter and stuff. And I wonder like, 
Do you think that's like a healthy pattern for like, is that encouraging good behavior? Is this just creating like an inferiority complex among some people as they evaluate their peers? Like what, what are your thoughts around yeah. like, those dynamics? Costs and benefits, man. There's, there's nothing that's truly pure. That's all good. I think at the end of the day, like this revenue thing, if I've learned anything, it was one of the very first strategies I had with any hackers besides the name was like people respond to revenue numbers. When people see money, uh, they immediately think of how that would apply to their life. It's very inspirational to see a dollar amount. And I think if you're trying to inspire people, like you need to give them a goal that they can relate to. You know, if I tell you like, hey, you know, I just ate 120 hot dogs in an hour, learn how you can do it too. Like you're not going to read that book because you don't want to eat 120 hot dogs in an hour. But if I'm like, hey, my business is making like, I'm on Peter Levels' Twitter profile right now. And he's got that bar. And so it's like his bar has got all these little green dots and then he's got some white dots for like how far he hasn't made it. And he's $2.8 million a year into his $4 million a year target. I don't know why that's his target. <laughs> I don't know when he set that target. Like it wasn't his target starting off, but like he's advertising that. And people who see that are like, dang, this guy's got it together. He's one person making all these fun businesses, tweeting all these cool things, and he's making $2.8 million a year. Like, mm -hmm. I should start something, you know? And it really does get people to start stuff. Like, I've seen it and heard it year after year after year after year that people are inspired by these stories. And so that's the good side. The downside, as you pointed out, is like, yeah, some people probably feel inadequate. People probably feel like they're not making enough or doing enough. But I think that happens anyway, and I think the costs are maybe worth the benefit. And so I like the fact that there's diversity. Like, not everybody needs to do that. It shouldn't be, like, the main focus, but I think that it does help. It does get more people trying to do this. And I think the world's a better place if more people realize they can start something online and make a lot of money and attempt to do it. You mentioned that you were, that the trend was good. So are you, are you tracking like monthly active users or something like that? Yeah, we track like what I care a lot about is basically like participation, like how many people are commenting. Right. And when they comment, like we actually measure like yeah. thoughtful comments, not just like, Oh, congratulations, which is not a very thoughtful comment. It's helpful or whatever, but like people leaving like, <laughs> you know, almost like a, a textbook of wisdom and reply to somebody else's comments. And that's been steadily going up as is retention recently. And so those are really good numbers. Nice. Like those are things to track. And like that is not easy to do with where we are right now because uh, it's just a lot of modeling like what we want the community to be. And I think if you go to like a website like Hacker News or Reddit, it's just so new every day. You know, we were talking about psychology and novelty. Uh, Twitter is the same way. Like you go there, you don't know what you're going to get. It's different every day, right? If you go to Harvard... Uh, it's the same every year. It's the same classes, right? So eventually you graduate because even though it's helpful, you get bored. And I think with Andy Hackers, for the longest time, it's been kind of the same posts over and over again. You know, like after six months on Andy Hackers, like it's, this is your fifth time sharing what product you're working on or, you know, talking about how to do SEO. And at some, at some point, you're like, I get it, you know? And so a lot of it, I think, comes down to inspiring people to have discussions that are like seemingly off topic, that are like not necessarily like how do you grow your business? But that might be like, okay, what do you think about like this new, this news that happened? Or what do you think about, you know, what are your new year's resolutions or like things that are tangential to being an indie hacker, but that like, if you're going to talk to anybody else on earth about these things, you might feel happier talking to another person who's sort of like you, another founder than like some random person on the internet. And I think that's kind of the heart of a community. It's bringing people together who are similar and have a lot to talk about rather than constraining the focus of conversation on only a particular topic. I have an idea for you, and it might be a terrible one. But I was Shoot. invited, this was a couple of months back, um, by another founder who had started a circle community for SaaS founders over a certain revenue level. And I think I had like mentioned somewhere that like I had crossed this milestone, and then he was like, hey, I just noticed that. And by the way, I started this thing. And there's just, you know, it's like a relatively small group 
of founders. I don't know all of them directly. I'm familiar with them from kind of Twitter and just our our industry, but like it is definitely a smaller, more constrained group. And I would say this is, it's not quite the same level as like a mastermind group where I feel like I can share every single detail about my business, but it is inherently a little bit more constrained. And so there are more kind of interesting conversations going on. I'm finding in this like more private venue. So it's still like, I would say it's, it's community, but it's a little more constrained. It's like kind of siloed in a, in a smaller group setting where then people can feel like they're even more open. And I wonder if something like that, like as you're looking for people to graduate from kind of earlier stage where like everything's public because there's not much proprietary to hold in, you know, and not just talk about publicly, but when, and as the stakes get a little bit higher, I, I know in myself, like I share less of the like really key behind the scenes details because some of that is like the secret sauce for what's making the business work right now, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's just natural, right? At some point, like you just don't want to share everything with everybody. And and something like Twitter, okay, like you every day you see this huge thread where some founders sharing all their learnings, but it's like that's the numerator. What's the denominator of founders who aren't saying saying anything? You know, much, 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 much larger. Like, and I don't have those kind of numbers to like hope for that sort of outcome. And so we have thought about like the sort of like a cohort-based approach or uh, like small groups of like revenue level type things, but like. In my mind, that's kind of a solved problem in a way. It's very ad hoc. Like there's so many Telegram groups and WhatsApp groups and uh, of founders who talk to each other. And there's just millions of those, to be honest. And, and they work. But there isn't like a place to go where like there's the sum total of everybody's knowledge, except for perhaps Twitter. Twitter's probably the best community of startup founders, in my opinion. But it's missing some things because it's kind of everybody. It's not just startup founders. And so uh, a, little, a few things get sort of lost in the muck. But yeah, I mean, I think that's a good idea. It's just difficult to harness. And it's like not perfectly aligned with our goal, which is like, okay, how do we become like an open community for everybody? And if people want to have these like little small communities, I think that's awesome. It's not what we're trying to do. And to be honest, I'm not sure if we could facilitate that as right. as well as like a good, you know, I mess right. I I message group or something. But I mean, there is also like the Reddit strategy where Reddit is like one community supposedly, but actually it's like a combination of like thousands of subreddits that like sum together to make one homepage. And like that is kind of a clever way to like, use the smaller group strategy to accomplish the bigger group strategy, which I think is really interesting. And so we thought about that too with any hackers groups, but it's still a lot of work because then you got to get people to like get these small, tiny communities up and running. And that's hard. It's almost like running a little startup, right? Most subreddits fail and they're hard to get traction on just like the main website's hard to get traction on. And so it's a fun problem. It's like all incentive design and, and like trying to think about like psychology of how people work. You know, it's not like a very clear, well-defined SaaS problem where, where your software either does the thing or it doesn't. Uh, it's it's really, I think, a study in like human psychology. Like, what gets somebody to open a website every day? Like, what gives them that little hit of joy? And it's difficult because people don't necessarily report accurately. Like, people don't really know. Like, it's hard for people to tell you why they go to Twitter every day. Like, the Twitter team probably knows a lot more about why people go to Twitter every day than the average Twitter user. And I'm not sure that's the case with most software. I think it's usually the other way around, where the companies are trying to figure out from their users why they use it, and the users know, uh, but the, the people making it might not. Was the community thing always the goal of indie hackers? Like, I, I feel like I remember the day, like my interaction, like my, I think the first time I came across you was, I think the podcast seemed like, oh, Cortland just has this cool podcast. Like, I'm <laughs> like was, was it always the goal to just like, I want to get thousands of people and teach them how to like help them, have them help each other and build businesses? Yeah, that was the goal. In fact, the goal yeah, was okay. not to have a podcast. Yeah. It was like on my list of things not to do early on. I was like, I don't want a podcast for the same reason I don't like Twitter. I don't want to be on the treadmill running and endlessly producing content and that being the thing. And I was okay with doing that with like the email list and the interviews that I used to publish to the website. So Indie Hacker started off as like a blog 
that was just nothing but interviews. It didn't look like a blog, but it's essentially what it was. And I was like, okay, I'll do this temporarily, but it's only to like bootstrap an email list that I can use to bootstrap traction for a community. And the community will run itself and I can sit back and like collect my paycheck. <laughs> you know, or, uh, it, that was kind of the goal. And so the very first day of Indie Hackers, there was a link at the top that said community forum. And you went there and it was just like, okay, sign up if you're interested in this because I wanted to gauge interest. And so like, it was kind of cool to watch that plan unfold and like work out. Uh, and there's some unexpected stops along the way. Like it did start a podcast, obviously. And that's like arguably one of the most popular parts of Indie Hackers. But uh, yeah, I think the whole point is to have a community. And I think... Beyond that, like, if you can build a big enough community at the very, very top of the funnel of entrepreneurship, where people are just now starting to figure out they want to do this, there's so much you can do later on in the funnel in terms of redirecting people where you want them to go, whether it's fundraising a particular type of way or using a certain set of products. Like, that's a very powerful position to be in. And so I got to crack the community nut first. (laughs) And that's a hard one to crack. But if I do, there's a lot of options. So you feel like it's uncracked still? Oh, for sure. It's like constantly plateauing. And then it's like an okay, well, you hit product market fit for like one level of community, but like not for the next level. And it's difficult to get it to the next level. But like right now, it's like maybe 11, 12,000 visitors a day come to Indie Hackers and three or 4,000 of them are signed in community members. Like I think it can be 10 times that. It's not going to be easy to get there. But once it is 10 times that, like I'll feel much more like, okay, I've sort of, I've sort of cracked this nut. Like it's a significant percentage of new founders actually come here rather than like, you know, four or 5%. Does Stripe, whoever, whoever you report to at Stripe, uh, like sort of encourage you to set growth targets on those numbers? A little bit. Yeah, definitely. I set growth numbers when I joined. Uh, they were astronomical. And we actually have hit a few since then. I was like, that's crazy. But also, nice. like, it's been five years, four years. And so I would have hoped to have hit more. <laughs> but uh, it's pretty hands-off. Like, no one at Stripe is, like, breathing down my neck, asking me where our numbers are, et cetera. Uh, I can easily go months or upwards of like, you know, close to a year without necessarily reporting into anybody if I don't choose to do that, which is really nice. So I get to choose where I want to spend my time. And yeah, I mean, recently we've like kind of reconfigured our numbers. Like we're trying to figure out, okay, what do we need to do to get to the next level? Like what's important here? And like you'll probably see the Indie Hackers homepage change a lot in the next few months to sort of accommodate like the one goal that we have right now, which is getting more people to leave thoughtful comments and to getting like sort of higher profile people in there as well. So right now it's like the homepage is like we've got a job board and we've got meetups and we've got the list of podcast episodes and a link to our store and like none of that has anything to do with the goal that I'm talking about. So it's very easy to get distracted with the community. But so I mean are you getting are you getting bored of this particular problem? Not at all, man. Like I've had periods. I was just talking to Rob Walling about this last week about how like I strangely just like deliberately decided like maybe it's time to think about other things. And then I wasn't very happy. <laughs> I'm like, what's missing from my life? You know, and I'm like, oh, it's because I, like, I have always worked on like some ambitious project with some like huge goal at the end. And it's not even like hitting the goal that matters, right? It's the fact that like you have this like optimism for getting somewhere and you have these like tricky problems that like occupy your mind and like fill up your days that is just really rewarding to work on. I mean, I have a couple startup ideas, but it's hard to imagine any that are like more engrossing than like I'm trying to become the biggest community for startup founders. <laughs> And I get to talk to people all day, people like you guys and people like people on Indie Hackers Forum, who are really interesting, who are all doing super interesting stuff, who are all like themselves, like on their own, like sort of epic journey or quest. And I get to sort of design this website where like, I don't know, like I'm not like some big company where there's like this huge development deploy process. Like I just get on, have an idea, I click deploy, it's up in like five minutes. I break the website all the time. No one even notices. And tens of thousands of people a day come through and use the changes and remark on them and comment on them. Like it's a really addictive feedback loop. And so I think like the long-term goals and plans are very ambitious and seem like very meaningful to me. 
And even the short term sort of day to day is very addictive <laughs> in the same way that Twitter's addictive. So I don't know if it would be wise for me to just quit and do something else for the sake of novelty. Uh, and I think I have a lot of unfinished work to do. Like, I didn't think about this when I started Indie Hackers. Like, it, was, it wasn't my plan. I didn't think it was going to be infinitely great and infinitely entertaining and stuff. But I'm glad that I lucked into working on something where I feel that way. And I'm sure, like, by the time I hit the next plateau, it's still going to be a new set of challenges that are, like, very different, you know. And I, I, I'm grateful for that. I heard you on some podcast recently. I can't remember who you were talking to. But you said something, like, very uh, frank, which was along the lines of, like, I've got this Stripe stock. And so I know I'm basically yeah. set financially at some point. And so I'm like, I'm chilling. I'm like going to figure out what I want. I'm, I, I it's work not on... about money anymore. Like I don't have to worry about money anymore. So like, all right, well, what, what's the point, right? And I think for a lot of indie hackers and founders, like it's not popular to say. It's more popular to be like, oh, I'm only in it for the mission to help the world. But it's like, no, we're all real people. Like money matters. And you can do good things with money. You can make your life better. You can make your family's life better. You can have more time and freedom to do other things that are meaningful. And so I think we spend so much of this time on this like, this journey and this challenge like to make enough money to be financially free, to have more free time, to work on the things that we want, right? And then like once you sort of get there, you realize like that journey is over. <laughs> it's time for a new journey, right? And a lot of people, like especially in Silicon Valley, they're just like, all right, let me just set the bar higher. I made $10 million, let me make 100. I made 100, let me make a billion. And to me, like that's not like something inherently wrong with that if you've really considered it. But I think if you're just automatically doing it, then I think you're... Uh, there's probably like you know room for improvement in your thought process. You could be a little bit more deliberate about what you want to get out of life. And so I'm sort of in a phase where I'm thinking about that, and it's made me think a lot more about like the mission of indie hackers and like how I spend my time. I mean, I'm sure you guys are not in that like too far from that. Tuple's doing pretty well, and like Savvy Hal is like I don't know. I see a lot of Savvy Hal links, and so <laughs> at the end of the day, like whether you're there or not, or not, like you're gonna have to start thinking about that pretty soon. And it's not necessarily the wrong answer to be like, okay, I did the thing. I'm going to go work on something else. Like I talk to founders all the time on the podcast who will have this riveting story of how they started their startup and all the challenges they overcame and where they are now to show the revenue numbers. Then after I stopped clicking record, they're like, I can't wait to be done with this. <laughs> you know, I have 10 other ideas I want to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I think it's, it's part of uh, life that you move on to new projects and things, especially in the tech industry. Like the average job tenure is like two and a half, three years. So as a founder, you're working like probably three times that before your business is like, quote unquote, successful and you want to think about moving on to something else. People ask me pretty frequently, like, oh, like, do you think you're going to sell someday or like, how long do you think you'll do this? And this, the, the way I feel about it is it's kind of like, as long as it is interesting, as long as it's stimulating and like not fun necessarily, but you know, like I'm growing and it's challenging and it's a challenge that I relish. The idea of just like, oh, sell the thing. And then now you have a pile of money, not appealing at all. But the, it, it would be more like, there's this really cool thing over here that I can't stop right. thinking about. That would be like the more likely thing that I'm like, oh, I have to step away from this because I have to go do this other thing. Is Tuple still this really cool thing that you can't stop thinking about? Currently, yes. Yeah. What, so makes, we're, it, what we're, makes it that? Well, my job keeps changing, which is the thing I love. It's like we're nine people now. It's like the, the and like we're taking on more and more things and like doing all this hiring. And so it's, I think it's partly the, the dynamic nature of it. Like it's like it's like I, I'll figure out a project and then wrap it up and be like, okay, now to, to dive into this thing over here that I have no experience with and I'm gonna try to figure it out from scratch. A lot of people don't like that. Like I talk to a lot of people who are like, I just like to code, you know, or I just like this thing, and my job is changing, and I've gotten away from why I wanted to do this in the first place. So it's, it's pretty unique that you like you like the fact that it's it's changing. Yes, I mean, yeah, it's it's mostly good. Sometimes I do miss just like the simplicity of the coding, where it's yeah. like I will do a thing today that I know how to do. 
uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of nice i like that it has a nice nice bound boundary around it yeah but but overall it suits me nicely that way yeah what about you derek how's how's savvy cow yeah I, I would say i'm i'm having a blast so i just hired my first um engineer first full-time engineer so it's like a big just cross that like huge milestone where it feels like I've just unlocked a major cheat code, <laughs> you know? And it's crazy because, I mean, now this this brings me back to thinking of when we first grew the team at Drip, you know, five years ago or so, six, no, now probably like seven years ago, actually. Um, when we've hired our first engineers and like had to flip out of that mode of like, I'm just kind of the sole maker into, I am helping, you know, shepherd along some other people who are trying to level up their skills and build their career and make, do their best work and execute on their their passions and I get a ton of joy out of that like I don't know how I would I, I don't know how it would be if I were trying to like manage a, a really large engineering team like I'm sure it would you know become the job would the nature of the job would change but for now like the thought of like building a small team managing a small team and like you know just being able to like watch people do their best work and help facilitate that. It gives me a lot of fulfillment. And also I know it's like super good for the business. You know, it's like, um, it's just going to be such a, such a multiplier. So these are still like, I'm in that really, really fun phase. And I'm, I'm a little bit scared that at some point something will change. And like, suddenly I'm finding myself like, Oh, I just don't enjoy the job as much anymore. But I don't see that on the near term horizon, which is I'm, I'm glad about. I feel thankful about. I was just thinking the other day how crazy it is that we're the types of conversations that, you know, I'm having with with other founders and stuff where where we're actually grappling with this concept of like, what happens when you have so much money, you never have to work again. And I'm just like I was just thinking about how crazy this is probably like if, you know, my relatives overheard these types of conversations or just people from past generations were like, you couldn't just build a business that might in the span of a couple of years make you more money than you could ever spend in a lifetime. And yet these are like problems that a lot of us are, tr are like having to potentially grapple with. And it comes with its own set of set of problems around like, well, if I don't have to work for money anymore, then what do I do with my time? And how do I not get depressed? And so it's, it's fascinating to me that these are, these are, these are the conversations that are happening more and more in large part because of what tech enables. Yeah. I talk a lot about like, freedom being like like one of the main goals a lot of indie hackers have uh and starting their businesses and there's like all these different types of freedom like the most common ones are like financial freedom like i don't want to have to work for somebody else to earn my money i want to be able to make money however i want and then like time freedom which is just like i want to work on my own schedule whenever i want as many days a year as few days a year as i want and very few people like to your point ben like want to just retire and sit on a beach and do nothing like people just want to like they still want to work they just want to control like when <laughs> when they work and how much they have to which is awesome but i think there's like these other types of freedom that are a little bit underrated, like creative freedom, like working on whatever you want is really nice to have as a founder. And then Derek, you're hinting at like, I think like people, like the ability to like, like if you have a job, you don't really choose your teammates that much. But when you run a company, you can hire anyone you want. You can be super nepotistic. Like I hired my brother immediately when I joined Stripe. I'm like, I'm not joining Stripe unless you guys hire my brother. And like Patrick's like, well, I guess I did the same with my brother. So it's like, all right, fine. And like, that's super cool. Like we sit on Zoom and talk and my mom's like, ooh, can I join and listen in? And she joins and listens in. And it's just like, this is great. I could do this indefinitely. And like, there's this concept of like work-life balance versus I think work-life integration is the other sort of proposed thing. And I like work-life integration. I'm like, what if work doesn't even feel like work? You know, what if I'm like shooting the shit with like my brother and my friends while also working together on this cool challenge, you know? And you watch movies like... um like, I don't know, any movie where you've got, like, all these experts, like, working, like, Ocean's Eleven or something. And it's, like, these people are working together, but they're, like, friends and they're kind of like a squad. 
And nobody talks about doing that with their business. But like you can absolutely do that. You can just like put together a team of people you really like, have tough challenges that you go through together, and it's way more rewarding. Like to me, like that's addictive. And so that's something I've been thinking about with ND hackers too. Like, okay, who do I want to work with a lot and like actually just be friends with? And I think that I don't want to manage 100 people. I don't want to manage 50 people, but like 10 people <laughs> where we're all like super close friends and like we all kind of buy into the mission and like we're like super smart and like talented and we enjoy working with each other. Like that to me is the dream and I could do that indefinitely on almost any project. Yeah, that's that's honestly been the new joy of running Tuple these days is building the team out and adding awesome people to it and having that sense of like, Oh, another amazing person just joined this. It's not a family, but you know, it's a it's a collection. Like we're a collection of people, and we're we're around a shared goal, and it feels great. And like I've I've always been someone who's really picky about people, so it's you like should it's, be. I, I've been very selective about who I add to my friend group and who sticks around and all that. And this is like a mini world where it's like we <laughs> I control the gate, <laughs> um, and it's so it's like we can we could just shape this group of exactly how how we want. Right. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. My dad did this. Uh, when I was a kid, he was part of like this, I guess, elite squad of furniture makers. And it was just like eight guys and in this big warehouse. And I, my brother and I would go in to visit him as kids. And he was like the furniture finisher. So they'd have all the furniture together. And it would just look like this ugly piece of wood. And he would just come in and like lacquer it and what, whatever he did. And just made it look beautiful. All the different like colors and stuff. And he would also like, you know, make some furniture for himself. He'd make my mom these like beautiful jewelry boxes. But then everybody else in his squad had like their own goal or their own like um, skill. You know, someone would like be kind of the architect and like sketch out like, like here's what the furniture is going to look like. And somebody would like, you know, I don't know. I have no idea what the jobs are, but someone like would cut it and they'd be so precise and they were all super good and they all trusted each other and they would just be hired to like build this like really cool furniture. Like Elton John had them like do his like living room in Atlanta and they had like all this stuff and all these pictures that he's so proud of showing me. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't. I don't talk to very many people who built that for themselves internally at their company. You know, who have like this like very specialized team of people they really like to hang out with. And I think that takes time. You know, building that and like finding out how to get that is hard. One of the hard things is that like you don't necessarily have the luxury to do that up front. Like up front, you're just like we need to survive. <laughs> you know, our company isn't necessarily profitable yet. Like I gotta hire like the absolute best person for the job that I can find. And maybe that person is one of your friends, and maybe you can't convince them to leave their job for you or something at that point in time. And so I think that might be one of the reasons why it's tough. Like maybe you have to start that way to really get there. You know, like maybe I wouldn't be able to convince my brother to join me now, but because I convinced him in the beginning, like he's here. Um, but I'm going to try. Like that's, that's one of my goals of many. Yeah. I think even if you are have the means to hire those people and, and are persuasive, it's still hard because it's hard to really know if someone is going to fit and work correctly. Like, like we've, we've had some people that we thought would that didn't. Uh, like I've, I've, I've messed this up several times already. Yeah, of course. Like we've have sort of had to continually edit the team and like also, or move people around like, like, Oh, we thought this was going to work well, but actually you should maybe be over here and work with this person on this thing. It's just, it's, it's, I think it's a really hard challenge. Uh, even when you're know you can do like, know you want that and like possibly can, can afford it. Yes. It's like, it's, it's easier with friend groups because you just have fewer expectations of friends. Like I have like maybe one or two friends that I've like really lost touch with are like, you know, sort of removed from my life ever. And I'm 34. But with like employees, I get, the expectations are just so much higher for someone to do a good job, to be consistent, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, yeah, I guess you do end up editing a lot more. You can't just like stop, kind of kind of stop talking to this employee, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. true. Yeah. 
or sit a friend yeah. down and say, you know, I've I've reached a new level of scale, and I, I think we've kind of, I think I've kind of outgrown you. Right? <laughs> so you don't you don't quite fit anymore. Good your luck in your next venture, right? <laughs> with your next friendship. <laughs> Do you guys ever feel like, uh, like because you're sort of locked into your companies that you're missing out on other things? Like, are you like, look at all this Web three stuff? Like, I'm, I'm missing out, you know? Or like, oh, if only I had this other idea. Like, the time is right, but I'm like, you know, I gotta finish what I've started. You ever have any regrets? Mm. I'm definitely still in the, I'm in the honeymoon phase of Savvy Cal where like, I know how difficult that first, like my last, my experience over the last three years has been a primer, just a reminder on just how hard it is to get something off the Mm -hmm. ground where you like, the the spark is lit. There's, you've started the the small little fire that's going to grow into a, a much larger campfire. And like, just to get that is so difficult because there's so many variables you're trying to solve for. Like, is this the right solution for the right market? And how do I reach that market? And on and on and on. And now it feels like I've, I've figured out enough of those variables. We're like, okay, we've fixed, you know, eight of the 20 variables. So now we can just work on optimizing the other variables. Um, and so right now I'm like, okay, it's just starting to work. I feel so relieved about that. So I, I feel an immense sense of calm about that. And like, Man, I really don't want to go back to the beginning anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like an intense amount of focus that you need. Yeah. Just to have things succeed. And it's like it's very easy to underestimate. But it's also like I don't know, it's like like there are times where I'm just like if there's something interesting, like even like a side project, I will feel sometimes guilty like, "Oh, I have this energy to spare. Like shouldn't I be like putting this on my main thing?" Like and I I don't know if it's healthy, you know? Like it is good to have diversity. It's like probably helps prevent burnout and whatnot. But it almost feels like I'm cheating on my girlfriend. You know, it's like, I don't know if I yeah. should really be doing this. You know, like, I wonder if like, like, like how do you feel? Like, yeah. Ben, like with Tuple, I mean, like you've got a team. Yeah, no, I feel that way with, with side project things for sure. Like I, I, I worry about the message it would send for me to like pour a decent amount of time into, into anything else really. But I don't know. At the same time, like side projects are kind of what made Tuple a bigger success, I think. Like it was the small things I had launched before where I learned, like cut my teeth on how to do this. Uh, so I, I I kind of think of side projects as education is like a pretty darn good habit to keep going. Yeah, back when I considered myself more of a software engineer, like my biggest issue was like every time I start a startup, like four years later, yeah. I'm just like I have no idea what the state of the art is with coding. <laughs> I'm still using what I started four years ago, and like things have changed like dramatically. Now I don't mm-hmm. even care. I've just given up. I'm just like, all right, whatever. <laughs> I'm ancient, and that's fine. But uh, I have to say, like I I feel very like I kind of did a deep dive into this like Web three stuff after being a hater for so long. Uh, and it's super interesting. It's very it's very mentally like compelling and engaging. And there's a part of me that immediately started thinking like, okay, <laughs> are there inroads here to indie hackers? And then I was like, I did my sort of normal exercise, which is like, if I'm excited about something, I will table it mm. for a month or two and see if I'm still excited. Because otherwise I'll just like be like a crazy kid in a candy store just bouncing around from aisle to aisle. And it's been a couple months and I'm less excited about it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, maybe this is not the right approach. I have other things to do first, but I'm still kind of excited about it. And I see all these smart people working on all these cool projects that are like, I don't know, they claim to be at the forefront of the next generation of the web. And there's a part of me that feels like maybe they are, you know? And I feel the same way, you know, like I feel like I'm ambitious, but um, it's very difficult to not to not want to jump into that kind of stuff and to not want to incorporate it. And it's uh, it's underrated, you know. Even if your startup's four or five or six years in, like you still have to focus. Like it almost never goes away. Yeah, I see it as a gift to have something to be able to to really focus in on hard that that I know has like 
the feedback loop is that things are working. And so that to me is like, that is mm-hmm. really important that for my brain to be happy is like, I, I'm right. pushing this boulder forward and, and it's making progress. And I think it's, it's definitely a different, for me, it's a different mental headspace to be in. Like, I'm just kind of playing in the sandbox. You know, maybe if I were to dive into web three, it would be just like mm-hmm. wrapping my mind around these different tools and experimenting and creating and putting stuff out, but there's no actual like boulder being pushed. But I could definitely see like in a different phase, like I think I would have to be in a different phase where I could really embrace, you know, that kind of like playing in the innovation sandbox. But I think it's, it looks like a lot Mm -hmm. of fun. What about, I mean, what other like intellectual pursuits do you guys have outside of your businesses, if any, you know, is it just uh, like for me, it's like, I would love to read more. My brother reads all the time. I feel like so guilty by comparison because this guy's reading like two books a week. (laughs) And I'm like, I would love to do that. I, I don't, but I've been focusing on like, having, I guess, more of a strategic approach to my personal life lately and my dating life, and that's been really fun. But you know what I did? That's uh, It's been like one of the best purchases of my life is I bought a karaoke machine, which is literally just like a, a speaker with some cool LED lights and a few wireless mics, and I plugged it into my TV. And now when friends come over, I put like YouTube karaoke on my TV. You can just like play whatever karaoke video you want on YouTube, and I force them to sing with me. And it's amazing. No matter how good or bad someone is at singing, it's always, you know, with like maybe a beer or two, it's always super fun. Uh, by the end of the night and people never expect it to be that fun that's great i love that i went to a karaoke place in hong kong i believe it was and it's like at the private room style it's like you get your own setup just like by yourself and like it seats like maybe 10 people that was that was a super fun version so like helps people get over the stage fright right exactly because it's just your friends yeah and like sometimes like you start off in a song and you're like actually no this is way too hard <laughs> never mind i thought this is gonna be cool i'm out I have a list of uh, karaoke songs on my phone. Yeah, like, me too. It's, it's really like three lists. And one list is like, things I should try. And then one list is like, my go-to songs. Like, these are songs that I know are good. And the other list is called, bad songs that seem like they'd be good, but are in fact bad. <laughs> and these are the songs that I've tried, and I was so confident at the beginning, and I just like could not finish. Like, they're just too far out of my range or something. So That's, that's a great list to have. <laughs> it's, it's good to crash and burn and learn from it. And then write it down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you write it down so you don't forget because you'll just go back to those songs i think billy joel is that for me where like i oh, love yeah. his music and there's so many songs i want to sing but like he is just he's a tenor and i just am not and so it's yeah. like this is just i just can't unfortunately i have like there's like too many artists for that stuff for me i'm like i love adele can't sing any of her stuff i'm like i like sam smith can't sing any of his stuff like i like the strokes can't sing <laughs> yeah. very much of it yeah i'd say for me i'm i mean i'm definitely the f- founder that can get extremely hyper obsessed with like my business, uh, which is probably not surprising. A lot of us are that way, I think. So like the struggle is to, yeah, to like leave room for other intellectual pursuits outside of like just pouring all my energy into my business. Like I, I play the piano and I haven't really played much lately, but I would love to do more of that. You know, like I have, a, I have a keyboard that I bought a couple of years ago. It's not, doesn't get touched very often. So I'd love to do more of that. And, you know, uh, Reading is enough, is always something that I also want to do more of, but just never make the time for. And it's, I've gotten frustrated with myself in years past, like setting goals, you know, beginning of the year, like, all right, I'm going to try to, you know, try to build this, this habit in. And I've sort of come to embrace that, like, you know, there are certain seasons where I'm just probably not going to be as diligent in these other areas, but uh, something I keep, I always want to keep checking in with myself on, like, are you getting too out of balance? Because I think that's one of those things that can lead people to, to burn out and it can sneak up on you before you even realize it. Right. I struggle with this because I'm like, yeah, I should be, I should live a balanced life, right? Like balance is so important. And then like I start doing it. I'm like, oh, balance is so boring. (laughs) 
it's like the most boring thing ever. And you read like any biography of like anyone who was just like, I don't know, had like a book written about them. Like they had the yeah. most wildly imbalanced lives. They just go hard on something, you know, they're neglecting some other thing. It's not super sustainable, but we're all going to die anyway. So you don't have to sustain it. <laughs> and, uh, it's just interesting, you know, and so some days, some weeks I'm just like, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to work out, you know, I'm going to maintain my relationships with friends and work a healthy amount and then step away from my computer and I do it and like, it does feel good. It's really nice. But there's like this internal drive to like be out of balance, you know, sometimes yes. you're just like craving certain stuff. So maybe there's like, I don't know, a formula for like maintaining like like the right amount of imbalance, you know, like like to allow yourself to just like go hard, but like not to the point of burnout. But like just like mm-hmm. just shy and then bring mm-hmm. balance back in i haven't figured it out yet i'm just musing i like that though i, think <laughs> I, I love that yeah i i find it really fun to obsess about duple like people are like oh how many hours how how like so you're working crazy hours you like you're a startup person you must work crazy hours i'm like not really i don't i don't like do like but in seat crazy hours but if you ask me like what percentage of time i'm thinking about a business thing it's a lot so it's like total hours of brain sweat is is really high but it's but none of that feels unfun to me like i i like to get obsessed with the thing and then just think about it a lot right. so it's, right yeah I that's the dream like something you want to think about something you want to talk about yeah i don't think i'm in any danger of burning out like in from and that of that sort of work that sort of effort so by the way derek uh, one one quick thing so just today i was opening up our old slack instance so we moved to discord for like okay. chat stuff but okay. we have we have a slack that's been around for a while and i went to our old huzzah channel so we have a channel that's like posting wins yeah. and it's this record going back to like 2018 or so of like really early tuple wins. And it's just like, and it's just the three of us, cool. you know, just like posting, like, I just like, look at this new subscription, $200 a month. Oh my God. <laughs> like it was, it was the time where we were, I was posting a screenshot of like every Stripe yep. charge into the Huzzah channel, like $100, $200. And like, we're all freaking out. Um, and like all the numbers, like, like we hit 50 calls today. Like all the numbers, like hilariously small. Um, and it was so like fun to just sit down, like, like, like scroll through yeah. that with like Joel and Spencer. Yeah. So you're like about to like have another person on the team. Totally recommend having some sort yes. of place that you can throw like happy, like celebrations that you're going to be able to keep and like someday look back on. Yes, that's great. We have a hooray channel that's, uh, uh, but it, it's like, hasn't been used much. There were a few old, like a year ago I posted like 4k MRR or something mm. was like, and we were like, Corey and I were celebrating and then we just haven't like kept that up but i'm definitely going to like mm. reboot that channel and it's just so fun yeah. to have an, another person who's like spending their full-time effort like i'm it's going to be a lot less lonely not that i was like feeling super definitely. lonely before but it just it's going to feel oh, so good yeah. to have a teammate totally i think it's going to be a big a big change for you and a really positive yeah. one and the huzzah channel i, I think it's just a great practice mm-hmm. because there's so many ch- inboxes and channels that like can have really bad news in them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where it's like you like you might just open your email and go, oh god, yeah. And so, and so it's nice to have one where every time you see the notification pop up, you're like, ooh, a treat. Yeah, like, <laughs> I love that. it's fun. Yeah, that's kind of funny. If things aren't intentional, it's just like more likely there will be bad news. You know, you yeah, sort of intentionally sure. design. Okay, this is the good news channel. Exactly, and it's and then like other people started using it, which is cool. Like other people are posting mm-hmm. it as well. Like, this is fun and. And like it, it almost becomes a way to keep tabs on different parts of the business. Like, oh, engineering has like posted a, like some small bug was fixed, or like this like this thorny problem they've been working on is like a now resolved. Or great message from like customer like came in the customer support channel, or we just closed a deal over here, or like this. It's it becomes almost like a heartbeat of the the happy thing. Yeah, and it's great. People. It's great to be able to celebrate what other people are excited about when at the moment that they're excited about it. You know, 
which is something that's, you know, if you're not deliberate about that, it's especially with a remote team, it may not end up happening. Right. So someone's just having a little party of one in their own office, but not like getting to share the joy, you know? Totally. It's the, the Huzzah Channel is the gong ring of the the distributed (laughs) startup. Yeah, I love it. What are you doing at your uh, company retreat, Ben, to make it like fun or cool or interesting? Yeah, that's a good question. So we surveyed everybody and asked, like, are like what things have you done at other retreats that like worked well? Like, what would you like to see us do? And the the uh, not like the unanimous response back was like, we don't want to do any you know structured corporate thing. We <laughs> just want to hang out with each other <laughs> and like enjoy the social time. And so we we've scheduled nothing right now. Like in fact, like no awkward icebreakers. Yeah, like we um, there's like a day kind of blocked off for like okay if we're gonna, if people want to ski uh, or do like outdoor wintry activities, this is the day for mm-hmm. that. And then there's like a couple days where it's just like these are now like you know explicitly not for that, but they're also not explicitly right. for anything. It's like <laughs> we're gonna be in the house hanging out. Yeah, we're gonna like each each of the founders like took an evening like to cook a meal. So like each of us is responsible like oh, make dinner okay. for the team one night, which I nice. think is kind of fun. Um, but like it's basically, and then we have a ton of board games and card games and stuff like that. Karaoke totally. machine, I'm telling you. It's a, it's a good idea. I like it. Um, I can see if I can get that shipped to northern Vermont in a hurry. <laughs> this is how you can tell you're somewhere far away when the Amazon Prime delivery times are like five days. <laughs> like, how do people live like this? But yeah, I'm so so I have some backup ideas. Like if after the first day, it's like, actually, we're kind of bored. We could use a little structure. So I have some ideas for things to do. Like actually, actually scrolling through the Huzzah channel today, we were, we all had the same thought like it would be fun to pick out a couple of these and show people just mm. like this is back when spencer and ben were really excited about a hundred dollars like <laughs> or like you know one new customer <laughs> or you know hitting nice. 50 calls nice it just might be kind yeah. of a fun to sort of show like this is 2019 it's not that long ago yeah yeah i think it's gonna be fun i'm i'm totally an extrovert like i'm um spencer says i'm a dog like he's a cat and i'm a dog mm-hmm. and like i super abs like i'm just excited to have everybody in the house like it's i think it's gonna be right. delightful how do you get everybody excited to come? Because like there have been times in the past, and maybe I'm just not that much of a team person, <laughs> but I remember having like an internship in San Francisco when I was like, uh, God, I must have been like 21, 20 years old or something. And the team was always doing stuff like, yeah, we're going to the ball game, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I am out of here. <laughs> I'm going home <laughs> to do my own thing. Uh, and maybe it's because I was like so much younger than everybody. But I, I think it's it's difficult to get everybody like excited to see each other, especially with a remote company. I bet. Like, I mean, it's like... People don't necessarily have like that close of friendships and relationships in like a remote company. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I'm not sure that we've accomplished that. I'm not sure if everyone actually is excited. I think. Okay. I think we've. They've all agreed. Everyone, yeah, <laughs> everyone agreed. Like, we'll see what the vibe is like when they get here. I think. Um, I think culturally, we sort of hired for people that are interested in like social interaction. Like, we have a team that I, w- I would describe the team as as warm. And so, like we've we've hired people that have some of that that warmth. Like they 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 like interactions. Nice. They value other people. They they take some joy from that. And so, I think we've kind of built a group that is fairly wired for that. But but we'll see. Cool. Best of luck. Let me know how it goes. Thanks. Yeah. Totally. <laughs>